0: Joining us today is David Ryan Polgar, truly a leading voice in the world of ethics in tech and AI, and an advocate for digital citizenship. He is the founder of All Tech is Human, co host of the podcast Funniest Tech, and a regular contributor and commentator on CBS This Morning, The Today Show, BBC World News, and many more well known media outlets. It is so great to speak with you again, David.
1: Marcos, it's great to be here. And again, uh, you mentioned Funny as Tech. I know uh, I've seen you at some shows in the past. And hey, if we need something more in 2020, it's uh, it's comedy. So it seems sometimes people say, well, wait, comedy and tech? Uh, honestly, I think we need uh, we need more comedy in our lives right now.
0: We do. And we can just pause on this briefly. Um, as a venue or, or almost as a, as a vector, you know, viral vector for transmitting difficult ideas, Uh, either they're difficult in terms of our comfort level or even complexity,
1: humor is an amazing, it is, and you guys have done a great job with that. Uh, well, I appreciate that. Well, I mean, that's that's the point is that there is amazing work that's been done, especially by academics over the last twenty years in kind of society and in technology. A lot of these issues that we're grappling right now, especially with uh, social media companies, I have a role on TikTok's Content Advisory Council, heavily involved in that space. But what we've seen is that oftentimes you need to translate uh, a lot of these complicated, thorny topics in a way that that affects. Uh, a couple that's sitting in uh, a, a diner uh, in middle of America, right? Like, so how do you take sure. complex topics and make sure that it affects more people? And that's that's a lot of the work that I try to do. And, and I think that's the uh, through line of everything, uh, of all these kind of different diverse projects is that they're all based on trying to co-create a more uh, responsible uh, uh, tech future and one that that aligns with our civil liberties and also our societal values at large and and right now I think a lot of people feel like uh, democracy is not a, it's not a given it's something that we have to to work with as citizens and democracy is also intertwined with technology and what I'd like to say lately is that technology is democracy and we need more participation
0: well that's a that's a great encapsulation to start with mm-hmm. so let, let's get to uh, specifics Sure. Let's start with your organization, uh, All Tech is Human. All Tech is Human. What, what does it do?
1: Yeah, All Tech is Human is a connector of the people, orgs, and ideas of the responsible tech movement. Uh, we're committed to informing and inspiring the next generation of responsible technologists and change makers. So specifically on that, uh, this, uh, this September, we released a guide to responsible tech how to get involved and build a better tech future. We released this uh, as a free resource in partnership with NYU's Alliance for Public Interest Technology. And you can find this at, uh, by going to uh, responsibletechguide.com or also send us an email at hello at alltechishuman.org if you'd like to receive the PDF. It's a little large, 163 pages of uh, interviews and resources of really just getting involved in this space. Because one of the things that we, we noticed at Tech is Human is that we launched in 2018 and we're holding ethical tech summits throughout the country. Last year, we held one in uh, New York City, uh, San Francisco, and Seattle. And a commonality that happened at all of these ethical tech summits and ever, other conversations that, that we have and emails we receive is that so many people, especially young people, I'm talking about college students, grad students, young professionals, we're saying i want to get involved in this space i see these problems that are happening but i also still uh, hold out uh, the hope and potential and i see the transformative impact that that social media and emerging technology have to to build a better democracy and a better overall society however it's again it's not a given just like democracy and we need to work at it. And they wanted to take part, but they didn't actually know how to get involved, right? Because there's a lot of people in this space like myself, but but unless you get this person on the phone, you wouldn't know. Who is in the ecosystem? What are the different organizations that I should sign up for? What are the newsletters I should subscribe for? Uh, what education pathways are there? Uh, so that's a lot of the work that I'm doing right now is trying to better align the kind of industry needs for this new space. And then also with the educational uh, attainment and how that's growing and then the individual expectations. Uh, so generally speaking, that's that's what we're doing at All Tech is Human. We also uh, just announced that we're working on a new project uh, called A Business Case for AI Ethics, empowering workers to be change makers. And the the need that we saw there was that uh, oftentimes there's amazing work that's being done on kind of this more theoretical level. Uh, but then there's oftentimes a disconnect between uh, it, it's more kind of industry impact. And we want to build a better tech future, right? We 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 don't just want to talk about issues. We want to actually build a better tech future, right? And, and impact people. Uh, and that's kind of what we're trying to do. So we're going to release that in uh, early December uh, of uh, of this year.
0: Is that going to cause a lot of trouble at uh, Google, Facebook, uh, Apple, as, as you in- empower their employees uh, to, <laughs> no. to, co- to cause uh, good trouble? <laughs> well,
1: I, honestly, I, as we're seeing right now, I... There's always an issue with uh, business incentives. That's been a big problem. It seems like every discussion I have on this, it leads back to business models and capitalism at large and yeah. how we can kind of alter some of these, these models. Uh, but yes, it is, to your point, it is taking a, a bottom-up approach and realizing that if you empower these these workers, they can start to disseminate a lot of these, these great ideas within. But I will say that uh, for my interactions, I mean, we try to actually... Be that bridge at Altic is Human between industry, uh, academia, civil society, and in government. And we try to take a, a relatively agnostic approach uh, to this because the w- what I'm blown away with, and something I actually kind of enjoy, is I, I frankly don't mind when people disagree and strongly disagree. And I, I, I Frankly, I think there should be more disagreements because we're arguing about democracy. We're arguing about the future of this country or the the, the world at large. And uh, everything that we develop and deploy, especially around uh, artificial intelligence, it's impacting our civil liberties and democracy at large. Therefore, we should be arguing. It's important to have these arguments. So I, I jokingly like to say that what, what I really enjoy about uh, Authentics Human or some of these ethical tech summits that we we're having pre-COVID was that in the same room, you would have somebody who works at Google and somebody who is, uh, ad, you know, uh, probably an, an adversary to Google in the same room. And that is a good thing. And is, that, I'll be is. very strong on that. Like, I, I really think that uh, in order to actually affect change, we need to be able to disagree but you also need to bring these these different groups together so that's uh, a lot of the work that we do and those are the, the tens of those are the people that we tend to kind of relate to most like I know even with our live stream series that we do uh, we partner up with uh, the bridge another great organization based out of DC in Silicon Valley and they kind of bridge uh, as the name suggests the gap between technologists policymakers and politicians and that's kind of where the the space that we're in is is basically saying We have amazing people in this space, across whether they're in in university settings, industry settings, advocacy groups, but we can promote knowledge sharing collaboration. And that's a lot of what we like to do. I mean, when I actually step back and look at how we're affecting change, the way I look at it is that we know that tech development, right? how fast we create technology is moving incredibly fast. And the problem is not in trying to slow down tech creation, because especially from an American standpoint, we're both Americans here, uh, that, that tends to be a, a non-starter, right? It's hard to slow down American innovation. And American innovation is frankly a, a bright spot uh, of, uh, of our American history. So what we need to do, in my opinion, is instead of slowing down tech innovation, we need to speed up tech consideration. That we it, have. Yeah, yeah.
0: It, it it feels like it's a um, a tension between the the speed of innovation and the speed with which our society can assimilate those changes, both at the cultural level, at the civic level, and then of course at the government regulation level. It is.
1: yes, and I I think a great example that that really showcases this this great divide that we have is in the topic of facial recognition, right? Because the issue that that people are having with facial recognition is that it's actually two parts. One, we know, and there's a great movie that's coming out pretty soon called Coded Bias uh, that's focused on a lot of researchers that are doing amazing work in this space. So I'd, I'd heavily recommend checking that out. But the issue with facial recognition is you have to deal with making facial recognition less biased. And we we do know that that it, it tends to be biased uh, towards the faces that it is either accurate or inaccurate on. But two, and this is an important part, it should not be a given that we we have facial recognition, right? Because that's actually a political decision about what we as a society want to incorporate within our within our uh you know cities and 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 other areas. That's a decision that we as citizens are making. So you have the part of, do we want uh, you know, facial recognition? That's the first step. And that's, you've seen San Francisco and other cities kind of put a pause on this. And then you have, okay, if we're going to have it, how do we make sure that it is less biased and better for overall citizens? And, and who and
0: who gets to do that oversight?
1: That? It's a power issue. It really is. It all boils down, everything that, that we deal with, it boils down to power. And if there's one... One area that I I love to focus on, and I'll repeat myself until I I feel like it's had enough change and and others are repeating this, is that when we're talking about quote-unquote tech issues, we're typically actually discussing power, equity, and fairness. And one of the misconceptions that we have is that when we're dealing with, let's say artificial intelligence, that it's just a bunch of technologists. And I would say, well, Everything we're developing around AI and other emerging tech and especially social media platforms, they're altering how I live, love, learn, even die. That's a It doesn't exist deal. in a vacuum. <laughs> it doesn't exist in a background, we, we, in a vacuum. And we need more, we need the saints and the poets, we need the social scientists, we need everybody involved. And if there's something that I am blown away with so far with my experience at Authentic as Human is that what I constantly butt up against is individuals who want to get involved, but don't actually feel like there's a place for them. Right. And this is happening all, all all the time. And this is again why we released this responsible tech guide is that you have incredible talent and people who want to affect positive change that are that are oftentimes on the sidelines because they feel like from a lot of the messaging and and frankly representation that we have within the uh, quote unquote tech industry that there's not a need right for psychologists and sociologists and there is a need and that's one of the things that we always like to, to focus on with authentic the human is that we need to make the community at large in this ecosystem more diverse uh, inclusive participatory and multidisciplinary and that's really what we like to focus on is that these are not tech issues. These are no. societal issues.
0: Yeah, yeah, and then you know, once they have a seat at the table, they also have to be able to uh, to effectuate change. They need yes. to be able to order. Yeah. or They need to be order able to order equally from the menu, and and, uh, of course. and have a, uh, a say in what uh, you know how it gets paid for. So, um, yeah. what is? broadly. Responsible Mm -hmm. AI, what are the consequences and challenges that result from the the increasing prevalence of AI in society?
1: Well, I think when we talk about responsible AI, uh, we need to to create uh, artificial intelligence that is aligned with our individual civil liberties and societal needs. And I think that we can't talk about responsible AI without ensuring that we have uh, the voices represented of the communities that are being impacted. Because I think the disconnect that that oftentimes happens in this is that it's a mistake if we allow, in my opinion, if we allow a group to quickly you know, define oh, this is responsible and this is irresponsible, right? The, the problem with that, as we've seen, is that Oftentimes, the group who is developing and deploying AI is different than the group that is actually being most impacted. And I would highly recommend, it. and I know you're you're, you know, familiar with her work with uh, Kathy O'Neill, uh, weapons of math destruction, done amazing work on this, and and she's been uh, such a such a champion uh, in that in that space of basically saying there's this major disconnect between communities that are impacted, and, uh, and people developing and deploying it. And then something, uh, you know, going back to the, the movie I was mentioning, uh, Coded Bias, something that I was really um, uh, influenced by in that, in that movie was the idea that oftentimes this technology is, is not actually being applied to, um, uh, let's say, wealthy communities first, it's actually quite the opposite. Is that oftentimes these new advanced technologies that are being developed are usually going to groups that are more um, disenfranchised or marginalized uh, first, uh, and that's where we tend to try out a lot of these systems. Uh, dealing with, uh, let's say, you know, employee nudging or facial recognition. Uh, you know, some great great scenes in that film. You're really just talking about how it's used in some of. Um, some of the, the housing areas of of uh, individuals who might have less access to change the the technology and that's the that's the disconnect going on is that citizens are impacted by the development and deployment of artificial intelligence therefore they need to have a voice uh, and i and i really think that in 2020 and beyond Responsible AI is is really dealing with the politics of technology, and we're really seeing how how these two parts are being uh, intertwined. Sure, sure.
0: How do we know when we're attempting to change these kind of uh, and and shape these regulations and these norms? Uh, mm-hmm. how do we know when we're how do we know when we're getting it right? How do we know when things are improving?
1: Well, I think we have to view this as a very kind of <clears throat> evolution or iterative type of type of process that, uh, similar to how you do anything kind of within within government, that there there needs to be kind of uh, you know a space for for people to offer their their opinions and and feedbacks uh, feedback and concerns about how this could uh, impact a community. Um, the way I like to think about it is there's been a lot of discussion around the uh, negative externalities or unintended consequences of, uh, of of technology and specifically with something like uh, artificial intelligence and how it's developed and deployed. But my argument is that, uh, quote unquote, unintended consequences uh, would be less likely if we considered the potential consequences. And in order to consider that, you need to, to, to have those voices Represented. So uh, again, I I would say with responsible AI, it's going to, in my opinion, take a a pathway very similar to uh, democracy and how, uh, with any type of uh, planning, with any type of, let's say, a community was was forming a new highway or you know road or something, uh, they would uh, uh, solicit uh, feedback uh, on this to to better understand the community at large. And I think that's the, that's the 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 major gap that's happening is that it feels like there is a, a very select group of people who are uh, creating these technologies. Uh, and it feels like there is a broad group of people who are feeling the effects of it. And that's the problem. Uh, and in order to solve that problem, we need to create a, a better process about how any of this would, would happen. So uh, again, I'll go back to the, the point that you shouldn't be able to massively uh, affect the lives of millions of people without first considering what the impact of that uh, development and deployment of that technology would would be. You know, I, I think that part of the issue uh, has been that we, we basically gave free reign uh, to, to a lot of tech companies and now we're just kind of looking at it differently and, and saying, all right, well, tech companies massively affect society. Good, bad, right? In, in multiple ways. But we want to make sure that it's more focused on the the, the the positive impact as opposed to these kind of negative externalities. And that means that our whole relationship to tech companies is, is frankly going to have to change. Uh, we still... And this is the whole kind of current business model capitalism type of argument that always kind of comes up is that we still view these these companies uh, in kind of, OK, well, they're they're a private company, whereas now we're starting to kind of view them almost as a, you know, public utility of utility. sorts exactly or, the name. Yeah, or something a little different. I know, uh, you know, I'd recommend the work of uh, Tim Wu, uh, you know, incredibly. Um, yes, I know uh, Tim. Yeah. Yeah, talented uh, individual who has been very prominent, especially early on with uh, net neutrality uh, and other major issues. But I know, uh, yeah, he's certainly the the, the go to expert or one of the go to experts uh, in this in this space.
0: What organizations, what communities are you seeing who who seem to be um, organizing things in in a positive direction to to be more inclusive? Who's Mm -hmm. starting to get it right? Do you have examples?
1: Well, I think uh, you know AI Now Institute. Uh, I would I would look at the Algorithmic Justice League, uh, and that uh, and that I think is, is probably the the business model, or sorry, the 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 model to to go in. Uh, yeah, I would I would if I was uh, a betting individual, which I'm not, but uh, if I were, I would, I would kind of put my money on uh, the Algorithmic Justice League, just because that is work that is also inspiring, and it's inspiring because it it views this as a, uh, an issue of agency. And, and also that's one of the reasons why, you know, I named All Tech is Human, All Tech is Human is because it reasserts the, the notion that technology doesn't just drop from the heavens, that it's something that we actively develop and, de- and deploy and decide whether we wanna have laws and regulations and safeguards it doesn't happen to us, right? The future is not written. Um, so yeah, I mean, to your, to your point about great organizations, uh, I think algorithmic justice league, uh, and AI now institute, but, uh, you know, they're, they're doing some great work. Uh, dating society has always kind of, uh, you know, had these uh, terrific conversations about the, um, societal kind of impacts with a, kind of a, uh, a well researched type of type of background getting you know amazing fellows that that I think have been instrumental uh, in this uh, in this space uh Mozilla uh you know with through the Mozilla fellowships and and other kind of projects has uh has also done some some great work as well what what are those uh fellowships for oh that can be uh any anything specifically uh or you know that the the fellow is is working on uh, i know Mozilla right now is uh it's kind of doing like a fix the the internet campaign, uh, which is probably you know, similar in notion to the um, the Web Foundation. Uh, Tim Berners Lee uh, was was behind uh, that. That's also kind of kind of focused on that area. Um, and I know even kind of in the Manhattan area, uh, BetaWorks with their beta labs, they're doing kind of a, a fix the internet type of type of program as well. So that's where even you know all the twists and turns of twenty twenty. I'm still optimistic because as much as we focus on how uh, technology or AI uh, or area I focus on with social media can go wrong, by us having these preemptive discussions uh, and acting in a more proactive as opposed to reactive uh, state, uh, I, I really see I see the the promise of of a brighter tech future because, where we where we have right now with the with with the industry is totally going to be changed over the next couple of years, and and I say that because <laughs> the in, the individuals I tend to interact with are college students who are writing emails <clears throat> saying, "Hey, you know, I'm a I'm a joint major <clears throat> or dual major in uh, computer science and philosophy. I want to get involved in the space. You know, uh, here's what I want to do. I want to make sure that it aligns with my values." So when you look at uh, now Gen Z, uh, I think it's a major sea change. And I don't know necessarily if the media narrative has has caught up to this, is that we tend to just focus on the current people who have power within these these, uh, tech companies, whereas there's a a huge change in uh, kind of this public interest technology type of movement. And that's one of the reasons why, uh, like I said, we formed that. Partnership with uh, NYU's Alliance for Public Interest Technology, and they're also part of uh, New America's Public Interest Technology University Network. I would I'd really, you know, strongly recommend, um, you know, people um, who are tuning in to, to to actually look into that. Is that what we create should should also. Um, should also kind of build a better society, and and I think that resonates with with a lot of individuals, uh, and then specifically with uh, with Gen Z. That's uh, that's going to be kind of Nixon line to to change the world. Uh, I think they want they want to change it for the better, right? They don't just want to make uh, a, a ton of money and uh, live in Malibu. Uh, and build and a better they, widget, yeah, or, or right. food, food, food delivery app, <laughs> or they want to build a widget that 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 promotes democracy uh, and that that promotes uh, better, better overall kind of kind of human behavior. I think that's been a major, major discussion is that we have seen that uh, technology impacts human behavior, but also human behavior impacts the development and deployment of, of technology so it's very kind of cyclical and, and we're really noticing that is that the 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 shift that has happened this paradigm shift is that the expectation is totally totally different we shouldn't naturally assume that that technology is just going to lead to a better future and I think that was the the, the major change that's happened over recent years I like to say that that uh, you actually need more people involved in this process who are uh more critical or skeptical and yeah, the reason you, why i say that oh sorry
0: yeah no uh, I, this yeah. is just building on that uh, in an interview that that you did recently you you brought up a terrific quote from uh, Carly kind mm-hmm. director of the ada lovelace institute i'll, I'll read the quote and, uh, sure. and let you comment on it so the quote was what was missing from second wave ethical ai was an acknowledgement that technical systems are, in fact, socio-technical systems. They cannot be understood outside of the social context in which they are deployed, and they cannot be optimized for societally beneficial and acceptable outcomes through technical tweaks alone. Now, my my take was, sounds very much like technology is too important to be left solely to technologists. Yes,
1: oh, it what, is. Yeah. What, what, what's your... Uh, It it certainly is. But we we also need uh, a major change in our in our approach, because this is where I I mentioned that I'll take as human tries to take a a kind of agnostic approach, realizing that we need greater kind of partnerships between all of these different groups, because I I noticed like early on uh, in this in this space when I would say anything kind of critical, uh, you know, so, uh, oftentimes the reaction would be, well, wait a minute, wait, you know, they, they would frame it as, as either your pro-tech or anti-tech. And that's a, a major, major um, misunderstanding, in my opinion, of really this issue is that to be critical is actually a good thing right now in the sense that it's realizing the power and impact of emerging technology in altering our society, and since we know that it is, is altering our society, it can alter it either in a direction that is, is good for our individual civil liberties and democracy at large, or is something that is more of a dystopian future. Sure. Sure. I we don't can. want to have a dystopian future. I want to have a a, a future that uh, respects my individual uh, rights and also is good for things like free free expression uh, and and even freedom of mind uh, of how we even think of our own conception of, of privacy and that is an issue of of agency. It's also an issue of involvement and to be critical of of. Any type of technology constructive criticism is is a good thing that's that's uh, democracy 101 that's that's everything that we should be doing and again it's just realizing that it's not a uh, ron popeel set it and forget it i wish it were <laughs> i wish we could just develop develop a system and it's like hey you need an example what about you know uh Tay, the chatbot from, uh from Microsoft, right? You can't just set it and forget it. You can't just put something uh, out in the community and then just say, it's just going to naturally work out. So what I'd like to point out is that I think a mistake that oftentimes we make in this area is we are trying to make one person the be all end all. We're trying to say, okay, well then do I just need to go out to Silicon Valley and make sure that all the technologists are more ethical? And that, that's a good thing, right? We we want to have more ethics in computer science and, and other degrees. However, I think the bigger issue is that we need to increase the overall checks and balances of the, of the process, that it shouldn't be one person or just a few individuals who are often very homogenous in, in the tech industry, that this is so impactful that we need to have multiple kind of steps, right? And within obviously reason, we wanna make sure that we don't massively slow down innovation. However, the, the point is that I can't be everything, you can't be everything, right? We, we, we all have our blind spots, but the main point I always like to make is that by increasing the kind of multidisciplinary approach and the people involved in the space, you have less overall blind spots because you have more perspectives that are poking holes. And the way I like to kind of jokingly say, or maybe not jokingly, is that, um, you know, I know you, uh, you, you deal with a lot of uh, startups, uh, startup founders and startup founders by their very nature from the personality they tend to be uh, overly optimistic, sure. right? optimistic to, sometimes well, to, to, to a hey, fault. Anyway,
0: and then, willing to take on risk. Well, was, yes. uh, there's, a, there's a well-known, uh, funny this week, a, a, a pretty well-known person, um, no, no point in naming names, uh, in the tech community um, said, you know, you've got to be willing to risk it all if you want to be a founder. And one of his mentors, uh, somebody I know pretty well, chimed in with that's all well and good uh if you don't have people who are depending on you and other you know ec- external obligations uh right. you know sometimes you have to weigh this too and you know he was brought up short you know, it was a very civil conversation on yeah. uh on uh, linkedin and he went uh yeah i guess that's so <laughs> but he hadn't <laughs> well, thought of that it's so because true. that
1: was not that was not his yeah. perspective Right. We can't, we're not just developing something in a vacuum. It impacts real people and their, their livelihood, right? And so what I always like to say uh, is that if a startup uh, founder, if they're overly optimistic, in order to create a better equilibrium, you need to have people who are then overly critical, and uh, I know if, even myself, I have a background as, a, as an attorney and educator. And, and one of the reasons why, in my opinion, you see a lot of uh, attorneys getting involved in this space is that think about next time you talk to uh, a, a lawyer, they tend to to uh, say, oh, well, I see a problem with this. Oh, here's how this could go sideways. Here's how people could die with this situation, right? So that's just naturally part of, of, of a training uh, to, to, be, uh, to be a lawyer. And I think that's that's a value that a lot of these disciplines add is that if if a startup founder is saying, here's the the best way, this is everything that's going to happen, and then you bring in people who are saying, well, here's ways that this could go sideways. What you can do is more thoughtfully move forward by considering the ways that your technology can go sideways, sure. and that that is a good part of the of the process. It's actually just being more thorough and this is very similar to every industry that that's gone through uh evolution and then a lot of people like to bring up the automobile industry i mean if you watch early movies right they're driving around their vehicles and nobody's wearing seatbelts. you know even when you watch uh this this holiday season if you watch it's a wonderful life what i like to point out is george bailey he's drunk driving and he gets in a car accident he hits a tree and he just gets out and nobody cares right that's a major major change cars became faster and then we we more people were dying from them there was a, a problem with drinking and driving so we created societal changes and the right. same thing right now is happening with and the it, technology and it, just to underline that it was yeah. not a technical change right not, not well, really. I, mean, I guess you had to right yeah it was mostly essentially a,
0: essentially it was, it was a societal attitude it was a changing. societal yep yeah yeah. And, uh, it, it so was. it read it, re, um, you know, in terms of product development, uh, those kind of counterbalancing critical um, elements redefine, in many cases, what minimally viable, what a minimally viable product is. Yes. You know, your standard for a minimally viable product in social media world is going to be radically different from your minimally viable um, heart valve. Yeah.
1: Yes. Yeah. Well, right? <laughs> well but, but I think the important part with that is now we're realizing that uh, social media is, is not just uh, it's not solely just just fun and games. it affects offline behavior because especially for for Gen Z, offline and online, especially now with COVID, it's one and the same. So it can impact our our behavior. It can alter and obviously we can debate correlation versus causation, but it can alter how we communicate with one another, that's a big deal. And what I always like to point out with technologists is this is not a, a negative thing. This is actually a positive. It, it basically means that what you are working on is crucial to society, but it's also crucial to understand that it's not going to naturally work uh, as, as you might envision it in your head that you need to understand and consider uh, how it impacts communities and how human behavior will alter the the evolution of your, your development. And that's the new onus. And as we always like to say with the Peter Parker principle, right? With great power comes uh, great responsibility. Technologists in 2020 and beyond have incredible great power. But that also means that they have a greater burden. And that's a burden that, that I hope that we can, can meet. And and I would strongly recommend anybody, uh, you know, kind of, kind of listening to, to take that responsibility. And that, that shouldn't be a, a negative. That should be something that, that we accept um, proudly and to, yeah, to realize yeah. that we are affecting society. Sure. So we should probably
0: wrap it up. You know, we're coming to our end of our allotted time. And uh, so as you, as you encourage people to embrace this, mm-hmm. uh, one way would be to learn more about what you're doing. And sure. so we'd love to, uh, you know, hear all the ways we can get a hold of, of yeah. you and your ideas.
1: I am all over the interwebs, uh, <laughs> as a lot of people are, and uh, yeah, please reach out. Uh, I'm I'm very active on LinkedIn. Uh, so if you just type in uh, David Ryan Polgar, you should see me. Uh, I also have a, uh, a website, uh, techethicist.com. In addition, uh, the organization that, uh, that I am the founder of, All Tech is Human, you can go to alltechishuman.org and the Responsible Tech Guide that I mentioned, you can find that free resu- resource at responsibletechguide.com. And then if you're more likely to be on Twitter, uh, my handle is at TechEthesis. Perfect.
0: Thank you so much.
1: Thank I you. My guest today has been
0: David Ryan Polgar.
1: Thank you.